Hello, Internet. Welcome to Untold Talks of Spider-Man. I am your co-host, Matthew Dergish. You'll notice in today's airing that a certain someone that we all love and care for is gone. That, of course, is Kane Winstead. He's moved on to bigger and better things for now. Just for now, though. Uh, he He's moving. He's grooving. He's getting his life together and doing big things. So we should all give him a, you know, a warm welcome when he gets back. But he's uh, otherwise occupied. But he's excited and ready to get back. But due to that, we are not talking about the Spider-Man as regularly scheduled. We are instead talking about an older Spider-Man story. Uh, so I have brought on uh, someone we've had on before, Shannon from Down the Webline, and uh, here's a chance to say hi, Shannon. Hi, everybody. Today, we are bringing you uh, a very head-floaty episode of The Untold Talks of Spider-Man, the podcast about deep cuts, forgotten classics, and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. In Amazing Spider-Man 274, lo, there shall come a champion, or as it says on the cover, the Beyonder battles Mephisto, the soul of the spider. Secret Wars 2 continues in this issue. Um, this is a Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, Tom Morgan, James Fry, Joseph Rubenstein, John Romita Sr., Russ Stuffrace, uh, Greg Ruslos, and Joe Rosen comic edited by Jim Oatsley. So, uh... Shannon, before we actually get into the comic, you made a good point about the fact that in order to really enjoy this piece, we also need to look back to some scripture. I bet you didn't think that you'd have to do that for a Spider-Man comic. I'm just going to say that. It, it wasn't my first thought, no. Uh, but it, it certainly <laughs> made it a bit more exciting. So... Before that, let, let's talk about the Bible, written by uh, people, drawn by no one, uh, edited list. by no one, as near as I can tell, in the, the book of Job, right? Job. Mm, it says Job. I'm looking right at it. <laughs> it's an archetypal story that's used in, I say, Western literature that people go back to. Right. It, it's a... Uh... It's an interesting little bit to look into. It's the final book of the wisdom literature, if you're into breaking these things down. It has a lot. The first uh, book of wisdom is Proverbs to show, you know, things are just through God. So we're establishing kind of the, you know, good and evil. And then we have Ecclesiastes. Am I pronouncing that right? Uh, showing there's a little more complication and that god can be mysterious as god wise and just and then we get to the book of uh job which 
is relevant to the Spider-Man comic because at that point we're getting to the complications and the idea that someone could lead a just life but still have things come down on them unceremoniously. And so the the super short version, because we're not really here for this, is um, Job uh, has lived, you know, this great life, but in review, well, uh, God's checking some stuff out, I guess, the Satan uh brings up a question of the idea of whether the person is doing it for the reward or for to be you know good in the eyes of god or or to be holy and um through that god's like all right let's find out (laughs) and uh makes the guy's life a living hell takes away family takes away his crops takes away his all things earthly and good to the point where everyone around him starts questioning him like what did you do that was so horrific that deserved this kind of reaction you must have done something otherwise god would have not done this to you and he has to say no 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 and then eventually he you know shouts to the heavens you know god why despite having believed in god through all this where other men probably would have broken and god basically says his decisions are complex um shows him a lot of the complexities of the universe and ends up showing him some dragons that could kill him and his village in an instant say these are also part of my good and just plan you just can't understand basically and then job eventually is like okay and then god kind of doubles everything back though he killed his family so i don't know quite how that works that's the short version how does this relate to Spider-Man? Let's dig in to 274, where we're in the middle of Secret Wars 2, and we have the Beyonder confronting Mephisto. So, who's the devil? Who's God? Pretty easy to figure out here, right? And then, Chad, you were pointing out, uh, this is where the comic kind of takes a, a hitch. Oh, well, I think we should actually just start going through it, and then we can see, like... Oh yeah, I figured we were, were only a try- couple pages in, so... Yeah, so, um, I, I think it's, it. well, to start off with, we have Beyonder sort of struggling with his purpose, and really being quite resentful of everyone in the universe and really not seeing how like maybe he might be uh, the cause you know that's like one of those everyone else is wrong i can't possibly be the one who's wrong right right and so I, and this has greater impl- implications throughout the marvel universe at this point but he's dealing with these i don't know space aliens coming and firing at him and he just he he doesn't kill them he blinks them out of existence which mephisto gets somewhat frustrated with because he doesn't get to torment their souls he just uh watches as they cease to have never been well there's this sense of scale here that they put in here that is sort of mind-boggling that yeah so you have beyonder existing in space uh clearly unhappy and then 30,000 civilized worlds, like, launch a weapon at him that will destroy a thousand civilized worlds just by scale. Mm-hmm. And then he just blinks the weapon, those worlds, and every world that they've ever had contact with out of existence. 
yeah, I, I guess I didn't think too much on that because it is supposed to be one of those kind of beyond the scale ideas to be like, this is a god, right? Like we're playing with imaginary numbers, whatever. And once the story gets to that point, I tend to just kind of think like, okay, big threat he goes poof so he's the bigger threat hooray i I just kind of i I guess i just kind of smooth it out uh did that make more did that mean something more to you or it's like i don't know i just get caught up thinking like how big that number is and how many like that's got to be more than like a galaxy there that's just an enormous number of people uh so frivolously thrown away right and for what right Right. And what Marvel stories did we lose? Was part of the Dark Phoenix saga affected? Come on. (laughs) True. Yeah, I guess that's part of the thing with Marvel Cosmic is they (laughs) tend to talk about these like impossible scale bits. And I tend to just kind of get lost the sauce. I'm like, okay, they're bad, but they never really seem to come off as any worse than like Mephisto or anything. But I mean, at this point, the Beyonders... I don't know. I don't know if you want to say worse than Mephisto necessarily, but like, I don't know. It's hard to (laughs) hard to have any sympathy for either. Right, because they don't spend any time. I think that's part of storytelling is that when you don't spend any time on these particular worlds or anything like that, when you throw them away, they don't really mean anything. So I definitely agree there. But for me, like, if you think about, like, in a technical sense, you're like, well, that was a massive level of genocide. We move past this genocide and the Beyonder pops in on Mephisto while he's bemoaning the Beyonder. That was pretty funny. It was just, he's like, uh, I'll trick him, I'll do all this stuff, and then all of a sudden Beyonder's there, and he's like, well, that gave me zero time. Well, he introduces himself by saying, Mephisto, I've come for you in your entire realm. Like, oh, hi, geez, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to erase this mess, then continue on with the rest of the multiverse. You know, don't bother trying to resist me, it won't do you any good. It's like, why are you even talking to him? Uh <laughs> And so they have a squabble and they end on coming with a wager where Mephisto gets a champion. And if his champion bests the other champion, the Beyonders champion, they get 24 hours more. So in the grand scheme of things, so what, I guess? I don't know. I I feel like this is supposed to be a bigger bit, but I haven't read most of Secret Wars 2. I've just read the bits in or around spider-man at this point and i don't know just doesn't it doesn't seem so great to me but it's uh it's our setup it is and what did you think of the beyonder's choice of his weirdo champion oh uh that seemed like convenience they introduced him uh, a few pages back when mephisto throws the the crystal containing the demon Mm mm-hmm uh, so a little bit of a Chekhov's gun moment. Yeah, Zarathoth, uh, Zarathos. I'm not qualified to pronounce these weirdo names. I'm not a Doctor Strange guy or whatever. But um, yeah, some demon-looking thing is going to be the Beyonders champion. Plus, it's kind of weird. Our god, Analogous, is using the demon. And then our devil is left with using Spider-Man. And meanwhile, <laughs> Mephisto is fighting for the right of existence. And then God's fighting against it. I think you could read into that as we've linked the two stories as kind of a commentary on what they thought of the Book of Jove at this point. Yeah, I I think this is maybe the most telling moment of them saying this isn't, you know, such a great 
great thing. And that's on the page there. I um I know different people think about it differently. Um, but I, this is a very different moment in comics too. A lot of comics are a lot more uh, counterculture at this point. Spider Man is probably one of the closest to pop culture in comics, and maybe more of an outlier. We're still kind of sitting in uh, memory of um, R. Crumb's Bible book and all that, and so I, I think this would just. It might have been a bit more, you know, against the Book of Job, but also the Book of Job is probably the most used book of the Bible to reach out against the Bible. Isn't that right? Uh, between that and Leviticus, really. Yeah, fair enough. All right. So, yeah, the Beyonder slaps up a big screen TV and they uh, watch their bet go off. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, that is a fancy TV, too. Yeah, it's uh, kind of Kirby-esque, I'd say. Yes. Quadraphonic video monitor. I don't even think we have that technology yet. I don't know what a quadraphon is. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so we meet Peter um, at the hospital where Nathan Lebetsky is still in recovery. And... The old folks group is there to greet him, and Peter's there to, you know, help take care of May and whatnot. They start off with the the heavy responsibility, because that, that mm -hmm. becomes the big thing, is that the wager is, like, can, through so much trauma, Peter remain? Can he stick to his principles of responsibility in the most dire situations? So we, we sort of begin with uh, his obligations to family, and uh, we have... Aunt May, Aunt Anna, MJ, and they all want him to come and spend time with them. And he instead decides to go and be responsible by being Spider-Man, as per usual. Though this is a bit more weighted because it was just like a couple issues ago or so that Aunt May and him had this big heart-to-heart -heart about how they were fading apart and how they had to make more time for each other. And so... This had a little bit more impact than the normal, just uh, him kind of ditching the group, I guess. So, I don't know, just a little more on there for the actual Amazing Spider-Man bit, not the uh, the Secret Wars wager, because frankly, I care more about the Spider-Man part. Yeah, he goes, he tries to score some pictures of, you know, some, you know, badly do-wrongs doing a crime, and Spider-Man breaking it up. This demon... <laughs> appears to spider-man as like the face the size of a skyscraper just the kingpin must be punished for his crimes he deserves death like uh spider-man just doesn't quite know how to react i i think it's a very like he should have been like checking for mysterio with that i'm just saying totally see what you're saying but also in recent memory because this was in secret wars 2 as well um was the fire lord fight where oh, yeah. Spider-Man just uh, dug deep and <laughs> punched harder. And so he's kind of willing to just kind of get himself in the thick of things. Plus giant goblin demon face things tends to be the kind of stuff he just jumps into anyways. So why not? <laughs> oh, I think we should uh, comment on the fact that while he's looking at these uh, the hooligans or whatever, that he hears them planning to assassinate the Kingpin. Right, at a specific right. time and place. Yeah, that does come into later. Good point. As we're going, as I was just saying, you know, he, he's dealing with these demon faces and then the Green Goblin shows up. 
and they start wrestling. He pulls off the mask. It's Norman Osborn, the original Green Goblin, but I saw him die. At this point, Norman's still dead. Spoilers, that that gets undone later. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Yeah, I don't know. Did this have any resonance for you? I don't know. It gets kind of weird reading it now, right? It really does feel like, honestly, a... a, Because he goes... uh, Peter has, like, these bad trips every once in a while. (laughs) Where he has ghosts of Christmas past come back at him. And so I'd say, for him, I would think that there would be a little more skepticism. Although, I'd say he sees Norman Osborn, he might be like, okay, Harry, come here. Like, (laughs) goblins are a little, like, we have have our routine. We we fight on the glider. I sit on your shoulders. I pull off your mask. Like, this is what we do. (laughs) Okay. You can go back, have some amnesia. We move on to the next time. Fair enough. But that gets resolved in, like, basically what you said in, like, two pages. Then he decides to uh, head home, you know, clean the suit, and take a little nap rooney where uh, he gets a vision of his parents that tell him how much they let him down because he stopped his schooling um, and was a college dropout. Grad grad school dropout. Yeah. He, he finished undergrad. Really yeah. harsh on him. Well, especially for, you know, having not been there ever. And uh, (laughs) um, it's funny, too, because these parents do look slightly different than what we get by the time of, like, life theft. Mm. I'd say maybe it's just the hairdos, though. Um, Like, mom's a little Betty Brant. Yeah. Dad's a little Reed Richards. Yeah. So it might actually be his imagination more than anything else. Well, he doesn't know what they look like. Uh, Right, so that's kind of weird that he would imagine them. That's not true. I mean, he's seen pictures and stuff, and this is supposed to be them in their prime, not what they would look like now, so that's wrong. Sorry. But man, like, you know, uh, to get to this guy's court, like, he's an orphan throwing his parents to be like, hey, we're disappointed in you right off the bat. Like, that's low, even for the devil. I could think of how it could be lower. They could be like, we died because you were a disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I, this is this is interesting though because this is one of the few moments where we actually get reference to peter actually being an orphan that doesn't come up much so yeah i don't know N- another good tackle oh and then they become demons and they shoot fire at him and then he's rudely awakened <laughs> with uh with boils on his face yeah yeah which is which is a straight book of job thing right there boils on the face right like, which is interesting, too, because a few issues earlier, he was uh, meeting, greeting with the toads. So, you know, maybe that was just what rubbed off. <laughs> <laughs> My face, what happened to it? He's like, I'm just going to go put a mask on it. And, call it <laughs> <laughs> and then from there, he uh, decides to, you know, try to get to the doctor. So he actually ends up in a cop car as he's wandering around the street sick. So someone takes some pity on him and he finds out that it's... <gasps> George or Captain Stacy. <laughs> yeah, Captain George Stacy. And he's not dead. Yes. <laughs> Who then transforms into the the demon rival of his or tormentor. <laughs> and then the cop car becomes this uh flying sleigh with demon horses and he becomes the ghost rider apparently. <laughs> The flaming skull? I don't know. It's a whole thing. Is it yeah, he does look a little like that. Oh, and then yeah, and then Peter starts falling. Right. And then we get the inevitable from one Stacy to an X, the uh 
falling Gwen Stacy because ever since that one moment on the bridge, she's just perpetually falling. So <laughs> he can't let her die, not again. So he does this whole feat of heroism and then she yells at him that he's already dead. And then she flies off as a bird. As you do. Look, man, if she was already a bird, why was she fallen? She's just messing with him. <laughs> I don't know. How did, I mean, at this point, I don't know, Gwen, it's funny because everyone hears like yelling at Peter being mean, but to me, this reads pretty similar to a lot of where Gwen Stacy was with Parker most of the time. I forgot the big romance bit because she was spent so much time yelling at him. Well, like half the time it was like just bad writing. The other half of the time he was like kind of like absentee and not paying attention. Like, I think someone needed to, like, yell at him a few times. I mean, that's fair. I just, it, that one did stick out to me a little more. Like, oh, she's yelling at him again. Well, that, that probably rings more true. For me, it's more like, when is Gwen Stacy going to get some new clothes? <sighs> well, she's going to be remembered with that headband and coat forever now, because <laughs> she can't that's, try anything new. Yeah, it's her death shroud, constant. I mean, I guess, uh other Gwen Stacy, you know, has those spider duds, so there you go. And then from here, Spider-Man finally runs into the Ravagers of Souls and puts on the black suit now? Oh, he had, because the other one smelled awful, like brimstone or whatever, so he put on the black suit earlier. And then since this, uh, this beast the already knows that he's Spider-Man, he's just like, I'll just change right in front of you. I don't even care. Yeah. Mid-fight, which is pretty talented, gotta say. We reach that time with the tick, 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 uh, as the kingpin goes outs and abouts. And then we come back to the fight. Spider-Man's fighting this evil demon to pull off its mask, only to find out that it's... (gasps) Care to take it? (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Ben, oh my goodness. Right. Uh, well, of course, it's Uncle Ben. Like, again, uh, Ghost of Christmas Pass. Just everyone he's ever let down. I, I do like that the, the pose before the reveal that it's Uncle Ben is very reminiscent of uh, that cover from, was it Firestorm? Oh, could yeah. be, yeah. Yeah. So there's this sort of vengeance pose, and then, oh, it's Uncle Ben, who then blasts him in the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, although, in the meantime, also good to bring up is that Mephisto is... Uh, doing his thing of like he really needs to win this bet and so he has a plan that he's trying to enact where he will sort of overpower or infuse with power uh peter and give him the the sort of level that it would take to defeat the demon but it will cost him his life if he can pull it off right and then the beyonder kind of just (laughs) nixed it he does he's like Oh, I already know that you were you were making plans there, buddy. But actually, it was more than that. Like Mephisto is such a bad like ruler that all the the little demons and souls actually stopped him before the Beyonder could say like I wasn't gonna let you do that anyway. Yeah. But anyways, on the next page we get the floating heads that you're fond of. Oh yeah, good good floating heads. You know, everybody's pissed. I mean, who, dead and alive yeah everybody's yeah. yelling at peter which gives him the strength to punch harder yeah. see i think we need to go back through spider-man and review this you know every time he gets yelled at doesn't he just get stronger 
Is that really the like fuel? It, like the motivation is that, well, I think that's the fundamental misunderstanding is that his sort of motivation to be who he is, is out of guilt for failing an important person in his life. So anytime you start throwing that in his face, he's like, no, I really have to overcome this. I cannot give up because I failed all these people before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. If everyone was happy, if they gave him like uh, hallucinations where everyone was like super happy, like you're doing great, he would just get complacent and totally lose. So, ha, <laughs> huh, shows him. Basically, he just super punches this demon's head off. Is what it looks like. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, the clock is is going off at six o'clock, and the the whole premise is that unless Peter stops thinking Pin from being assassinated, then the world ends. Yonder will just destroy everything. So it's six o'clock. The clock is bonging or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he needs to save the kingpin to save the world. Though he does not know this. Right, but he is going to save a life. So he sees a sniper on the roof and he uh, kicks the sniper at the last second. So the shot goes off in the air and the kingpin's life is saved. And then we get this little bit with... I, I love this because amidst all this nonsense and all this like hemming and hawing and this like anniversary level spider-man fight we get this little kingpin moment where his goon says was that a gunshot yes and for a very yes and it's very reassuring to see all your security arrangements are as efficient as ever and he goes on to say like he always walks and goes to a certain place at a certain time so he knows when people are going to make an attempt his life because he's he knows when he's an easy target so he can control that attempt it's i don't know it's this weirdly brilliant move but at the same time he was about to get his head you know he's about to get shot so how in control is he it's a very bizarre bit of dialogue considering but uh I well, I it. think I, I think it's very kingpin because that's the one thing is it's his own conceit. Like he mm-hmm. can be very clever, but yeah. sometimes it's his own conceit that that just screws him over. So like honestly, that sniper shot, it wouldn't matter how many security were down there on the ground. That guy was up in a building and they did not catch him. Yeah. Yeah. But he plays it off like he's in control. <laughs> Super kingpin. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. But for, in Spider-Man's mind, like, he's just like, man, what a weird day. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's so resilient. It's all this crap happening to him. And he's just like, I don't understand it, but I'm just gonna move on. Right. <laughs> he's, he's like, maybe I should start reassessing my values. Yeah. Yeah, which is the which is funny because again at the end of Book of Job, the whole point is that he doesn't reassess his values; he just stalwartly continues on in his beliefs. And here at the end, Spider Man's like, uh, "What the hey?" And he doesn't even shout, or we don't have that moment. We just have him suffering through all this. He doesn't know why being a good man and suffering through is just Spider Man's every day. So on we go. It's it's just Tuesday for him. (laughs) And and it's really funny, too, because next issue, we get the giant size extravaganza featuring Hobgoblin and a few additional surprises. But this Spider-Man issue is supposed to be the beginning of the end for Secret Wars 2 coming to a conclusion. So like this is just like a random filler issue. 
I don't even. <laughs> well, I know there are uh, repercussions that happen. So uh, with he he decides. I want to say it is in the next. Yeah, it is in the next issue where he's like, you know what? I'm not going to be Spider Man anymore. Some weird stuff happened to me on Tuesday, and I, I'm over it. And MJ is there, and she because she knows now. She's like, no, you have to keep doing this. Tell me your origin. <laughs> It's actually technically other than telling Black Cat the first time he's ever told anyone why he does what he does. So it was an opportunity to do the Spider-Man origin and sort of update new readers on how that is. And get the Spider-Man no more moment out for the next few years. And move on. Yeah, yeah. We requisite no more every so often. All right, all right. So, yeah, I don't know. So, Shannon, you're the one who picked this issue. Is there something <laughs> more to this issue that hit you beyond just kind of the nuts and bolts that we ran through? I think it was really just the the story archetype. It is a very unusual issue with a sort of having a proxies for sort of God and a devil and, and a mortal who mortal champion in between them. And so testing the metal of the mortal to make sort of larger decisions about the universe or larger conversations even about the universe. Yeah, to me, it's a bizarre issue because it feels like it's it's a Spider-Man issue and a Secret War issue intersecting in a very weird way because the two parts meet on the page. But f for the characters, they're watching on a screen, essentially, well, literally, this play out. But in Spider-Man's world, he's having a bad trip for having done nothing. And, <laughs> and he's dealing with this assassination tip and some kind of normal spider-man shenanigans and like you said like what should normally be he should normally chop up to mysterio but he just kind of shrugs it off and so it's a very weird intersection of marvel comics happening at a particular moment which makes it fun it's a very it's very much kind of a a bottle of time you know a little encapsulation and so i, I think it's fun for that but man is it surreal <laughs> it is and i also like again like that 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 sort of scale in the beginning where you have a being that can blink out like galaxies in a in a moment and all of it concentrating down to a very human moral person dealing with like can i get enough work to pay the bills you know i'm missing out on time with my family and friends like like this very small scale Mm -hmm. uh a personal scale so it's just so like in the beginning in the way it was impersonal and massive to this very small and very personal and then involving gods in it at the same time it's just so like there really isn't another issue like it yeah no in that term yeah no it, it's definitely unique it's definitely something else and you know no ads 32 pages woohoo <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if they put ads in there, like Beyond or Mephisto would have blinked somebody out. So it's definitely. But with all that talking, I feel like we're at the point where we need to get to the web of ranking. So I don't really have a lot of comparison points. So I'm just going to start with the last story that we covered with you. The blind leading the blind. Do you think this is stronger or weaker than that? <laughs> I'm going to say it's a little weaker than that one. <laughs> okay, good, because there's no way this is hitting the top ten. 
Um, just so those who aren't looking at it, our web of rankings starts with Hooky at number one and ends with the time before at number 60, which was a handful of not so great issues. And the one I just referenced, The Blind Leading the Blind, is currently our number nine on the list. I'm trying to think. This is one that I would definitely put below our little pumping up line that we have. Because this is uh, definitely a Spider-Man issue. But, uh, I don't know. It's goofy. It's interesting. But it's not like, uh, it's not one I'd point people to necessarily right away. No, you gotta give them a little time before you throw that one at them. But there's another kind of bizarre tale that deals with... Oh yeah, you should put those two together. Yeah, they should be good. Put them together. They should be together. Uh, I'm looking at uh, Soul of the Hunter, which is our number 34. You're saying this should be close to that? Yeah, they're Soul of the Spider, Soul of the Hunter. There you go. Um, Yeah, so... Trying to think, when's the last time you read Soul uh, Hunter? I probably have, but it's been so long that I don't have any recollection. It's about Craven, right? Oh my gosh, yes, it sure is. Um, it's a follow up <laughs> to Craven's Last Hunt, a story I know you talk about all the time and reread this morning, it seemed like. Yes. <sighs> um, you should totally read the follow up. I should. Uh, but I'm gonna, I guess, take it and say this is going to be a hair below that one. So many titles. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're like, we can't pick one. All of them. So, boo-doo-boo-boo-boo. So, new number 35 on our list. Soul of the Spider, lo, there shall be a champion. Thank you for listening to our soulful podcast on scripture and spider-man um if you'd like to support our show or the amazing spider talk there is that patreon there are various levels for various monies with various rewards that you can totally check out on the website and if you do decide to sign up say hi to dan and mark and tell them untold sent you also uh, Shin, where can the people find all your stuff? So you can find my essays on deep dives into Spider-Man lore and uh, psychological analysis and story analysis uh, downthewebline.com. I also have a Twitter at downthewebline where I post daily uh, about Spider-Man and my thoughts. So if you're any, you are interested, uh, please come and check it out. Yeah, check out her thoughts on Soul of the Hunter very soon. <laughs> Up next is going to be another rando episode, so I should probably uh, talk about that now real quick. Um, I'm sorry for those who are looking for Spider-Man. Uh, that will be coming up soon. Uh, Kane had a major life event, uh, positive this time. He's moving, he's getting a new job, he just needs the time to completely rearrange his life. And so Shin has graciously come on to help fill the gap and talk Spider-Man with us. A real chore, but we appreciate her coming on and helping out. Woo! Woo! And so we're just talking some rando spider issues, which is, you know, such a far cry from what we normally do. <laughs> so thank you again. 
and thank you all for listening and a special thanks to the ellie badge for providing our theme song their stuff is a link in the thing and until shannon decides to team up with god and make my life a living hell just to see how i manage it make mine untold oh i like that i i by default play the devil that's great i love it yeah well (laughs) (laughs) seemed to fit right (laughs) sure does actually (laughs) he ain't never done me nothing done me nothing but good nothing but good Friends left one by one.